afternoon, everyone. It's Thursday, April 14th, and I'm Marianne Petrillo, CEO of West Business Development Center. And you're listening today to a new episode of the New Normal Radio Hour. I'm happy to be back on air again. We occasionally are invited back to KZYX to talk about activities that impact our economy and some of the issues faced by our business community. A lot has happened over the past year that has changed the arc for many of our businesses here in Mendocino County. Some good, some not so good. We are now four months into this new year, the year we hoped things would settle down and get back to normal. Well, here at West Center, we work with well over 700 small businesses in any given year. And I could tell you honestly, it will become normal, but it'll be the new normal for sure. Why do I think that? Well, interesting businesses are popping up all over our county. And I see community and governmental organizations once deep in assessing and assisting and helping in the healthcare crisis, now rolling up their sleeves to assist our weak economy and bring it back to health. Our resilient entrepreneurs have seen the writing on the wall. They're using more technology than ever before and they're seeing productivity rise. Business models are changing and becoming more hybrid. And new businesses are using assets we have here and filling needs that will help our communities rebound. Businesses like non-medical transport that has, that's essential for our healthy community, or businesses like drone technology services for fire mitigation, and amazing work is blooming with ocean water restoration, which leads me to our conversation today on what the blue economy is and what it means for our county's economic health, development, and growth. We are speaking today to two amazing women who not only have a deep understanding of marine life and its impact on our world, but they are each actively work, working today to lay the groundwork for healthy oceans and educating the next generation of skilled workers who will be part of this new blue economy. Before we begin, let me remind you that around 3.30, 3.35, we will open the phone lines for questions. So jot this number down, 707-895-2445. So let me welcome today, Sheila Siemens is the Executive Director of the Noyo Center for Marine Science. She has been its director since its inception in 2015. Sheila has worked in coastal and marine conservation for more than 25 years, most recently with the California State Coastal Conservancy, where she served as a senior staff to the California Ocean Protection Council. Sheila's experience developing highly collaborative programs like the California Seafloor and the Shoreline Mapping Program has enabled her to work with local, state, and federal agencies and industry leaders conducting leading-edge leading marine research. Welcome, Sheila, to the program. And our Thank second you. guest is Brianna Zuber, is the Associate Professor of Biology at Mendocino College originally from Georgia, where she earned her degree in ecology and then went on to earn her master's degree in biology and a PhD in environmental sciences. Along the way, she studied ecology and the environment with a focus on fish. 
she moved to Ukiah. So welcome to the community, Brianna, just a few years ago to work at Mendocino College, where she teaches courses in marine biology, zoology, and botany. So thank you both for joining me today. I appreciate you being on the call. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Marianne. Thanks for having us. Yeah, nice to be here. So Sheila, let's go ahead and start with you. Um, you know, for our audience, not everybody might know about the Noyo Center and, uh, and this huge undertaking, even though its inception is from 2015. Um, how did it come about? Like, what was the vision? How did, how did it get started? Can you give us a little background? Oh, yeah, I'd love to. It's really actually great to, to do this now because there is so much more um, recognition of what we're doing than there have been in previous interviews I've had with KZYX. So I'm, I'm hoping that most of your viewers have at least heard of us. But we were started by the city of Fort Bragg really as their first significant blue economy initiative. So when the mill site closed in 20... In 2002, uh, the state where I was working at the Coastal Conservancy worked with the city on a visioning, community visioning process for that 420 acres. What did the community want to see out there? And second, only to a coastal trail, which I'm sure many of you uh, enjoy on a regular basis, was this idea of a marine science center. And so the city and the state worked together to see, is this even possible here where you know we're remote and there's no university, no federal agency presence. We don't have good broadband service. You know All the things that we hear about all the time, could we do this? And so we brought in a team of experts from around the country that are leaders in developing marine labs and field stations. And we came up with the concept of the Noyo Center and the city launched the, the now nonprofit in 2015, as you said, um, as an economic development initiative for this city, recognizing that limber, the timber and fishing industries were, were really waning and we needed to have a positive um, potential in this blue economy moving forward. So we have a mission to uh, advanced ocean conservation through education, exploration, and experience. We now have a staff of 11 people. We have three facilities, believe it or not. Um, and we're planning for the ultimate development of the Ocean Science Center on the headlands. The city also acquired um, 11 and a half acres that have now been transferred to the nonprofit for development of that marine education and research center on the headlands. So we're tight. Uh -huh tight partners with the city and have a big, um, we have a, we have a big vision, but we're also doing a lot right now. I, I love the fact that, um, and I didn't really know quite how it started way back when, but the fact that it was community driven, you know, I mean, it started with the community saying, this is what we would like to see. And, you know, you forget those things, you know, five years, 10 years, 15 years past, but it just seeing now so much attention being focused on this and, you know, having the vision and the foresight from the city to coordinate this is just really amazing. And I think we're going to see some great things. Yeah, the, 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 the community has been cut off from their entire coastline for, yeah. since the mid-1800s, right? So yeah. when, when I came here and looked at that mill site, the town was built with their backs to the ocean. So not only did they want the literal connection to the coast through the coastal trail, but they wanted a more meaningful connection to the coast through marine science and education. So they, they both go really well together. And it's, it was a strong message from the community. 
That's great. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more too about how it fits into the economy. But Brianna, from a, from an education standpoint, can you you know tell us a little bit about you know what the college is currently doing and maybe a little bit of the background of you know why they're getting involved in the and people might even not not even know that there's a campus right there on the oceanfront. <laughs> Yeah, so I teach uh, the marine biology course, which I will hopefully be teaching this summer. So that's a little bit of a plug if anybody's interested in taking marine biology this summer. We also have a marine mammals course that's taught by our awesome instructor, Tanya Smart. And those courses are offered out at the Coast Center in Fort Bragg, which is the center that you mentioned. Um, with the marine biology course, we visit the campus, the Coast Center campus, and we take a look at some of the specimens that are there. There's a pretty excellent specimen collection at the Coast Center in Fort Bragg. Um, and then we also do some work out at the college's coastal field station, which is in Point Arena. Tell me a little bit, uh, so is this specimen collection but is it something that's been there for a while? I mean, I don't know, Sheila, if you knew about it or has it been something that people go to see? I don't... Yeah, some of the specimens have definitely been there for a while. Some of them were there when uh, College of the Redwoods had the center in Fort Bragg and we've maintained a lot of the collection now. So there's everything from skeletons of marine mammals and animals. There are uh, fishes and birds. There are lots of invertebrates. So there's lots of, say, sea urchins and sea stars. And it's really kind of just a wealth of specimens there. It's an impressive collection and it's a resource for this community for sure. Yeah, it sounds like a, a field trips uh, in, in the making <laughs> to go see that, I'm sure. That's, that's fascinating. And, uh, you know, again, a lot of us don't really realize what the college has to offer there uh, in the Fort Bragg campus. Um, but I'm sure as we're evolving, the Science Center is going to go hand in hand with the education that's needed. So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, Sheila, you know, the blue economy. It's, it's, a, it's a very nice term. I like that it has to flow, blue economy. You know, and I love people now are talking about blue-green economy. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh okay. You know, so let's, let's focus on that. Can you explain a little bit about what and how a blue economy is interpreted for most people? How, what's their understanding of it? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Um, I love the term too. And it, it is kind of funny how it morphs over time, but you know, and, they, and I don't think there really is a shared understanding. And that's a really great thing that's sort of happening right now. Like, what does the blue economy mean for our region? But more generically, um, a blue economy is basically looking at how we can continue to grow our economy while simultaneous, simultaneously preserving the resources of the ocean for future generations. So it has an economic element and it has a sustainability element. Um, and so, you know, back to that community visioning process, everybody wanted to move from an, an extraction to, a re, you know, more regenerative economy. So that's all part of that vision. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. Uh, so often, 
and I, this is because this is how we've all been raised, you know, especially if you're of a certain age, you think, oh, well, growth in the economy is terrible, you know, because it's going to do all these detrimental things. And yet, here's something that will have the potential to transform our economy, not just in Fort Bragg, but really all over the county. Um, and yet it's transforming the economy while preserving resources. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it's one of the, I think it's, it's, it's sadly one of the few bright spots for economic growth in our community, I think. And, and I, and, you know, we have used our ocean resources and, 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 and that is a part of our identity, but now we just need to shift to focusing on the ways that we can, um, we can do that a little bit more sustainably and a little bit more sensitively to the issues that we're facing right now. I mean, we have mm -hmm. so many environmental threats that are, um, that, that we're, we're addressing. And so how can we use these resources? And, and you know, 90% of all goods on the planet arrive by way of the ocean. So <laughs> regardless of whether you're in the Midwest or on the coast, oceans are critical to all that we, our way of life, all that we do. But the blue economy kind of, it takes in so many elements of our society that I don't think most people think of when they think of ocean sustainability. I mean, there's fishing and shipping, sure, but there's also tourism, you know, for anything from kayaking to scuba diving to cruise ships to whale watching. Um, there's blue-green energy, like you said, wind development that's becoming kind of more on um, on the on the it's being discussed more technology development i mean look at what's coming out of monterey bay with some of the rov there's technology exploration that's really incredible and then of course what brianna and i will talk more about which is education i mean creating more stem jobs and and, and educational opportunities here i think is really an investment in the future not only for our community but for climate science in general as we move forward in a really uncertain world and, and Brianna, how, how do you feel about, you know, the types of courses that, you know, maybe might be on the horizon or needed and, and also help us understand too, how the oceans are really affecting climate change and vice versa. I mean, they're, they're all integrated, especially with your work in environmental sciences. Yeah, I think, you know, one thing to keep in mind is that we are currently in a situation where we have sort of limited land and limited fresh water. And then we have this great ocean resource that covers, you know, about 70% of the earth. Um, so there's a lot of potential there. Not only do the oceans produce most of the oxygen that we breathe, but they also can act as a carbon sink to help reduce the amount of carbon that's in the atmosphere, which can help with climate change. And then we know that they are habitat for thousands of organisms. And a lot of those organisms are food sources for us as humans and other animals. And then like Sheila mentioned, just kind of the potential for technologies with wave and solar and wind and thermal generation and power and all of that um, so there's you know there's a lot of opportunities there and the ocean is very important for us as part of this big earth ecosystem 
Um, so whenever we teach the marine mammals, the marine biology courses, we talk a lot about climate change and the role that the oceans play in climate change. And we also take students out to the coastal field station in Point Arena, where they can work with scientists that are doing research in those areas. So there's, um, there's a system at the field station that looks at ocean currents. And so students can learn about that. We've had uh, people from Reef Check come out. And so students have been able to interact with them. There have been kelp studies that have been done there. Um, so students kind of get to see what sort of research scientists are doing and they can interact with um, potential jobs that they may be interested in. Um, I know that just recently there was a labor market research report that was put out um, for the North Far North region in California, and they identified agriculture, water, and environment as one of the top job sectors here in California currently. And they identified forest and conservation technicians as one of the top 10 occupations. So I think one of the things that the college is exploring are jobs that are needed in the region um, with potential new certificates and programs that would fall in the area of forest and conservation technicians. And so at the Coast Center in Fort Bragg, that might look something like a marine science technician or a marine science certificate or something like that. So there's a lot of different things and a lot of different areas, you know, where we focus on potential jobs and education and how those two things kind of work together for students. And are you saying that, Sheila, can you see already the types of jobs that you think are going to be needed in the coming, you know, five to 10 years in our region? I mean, given the work that you're involved in from a research, is that in keeping what Brianna says about these technicians and yeah, definitely. I'm super excited about, you know, growing a stronger partnership with Mendocino College, because I think if you look at just our goals, um, you know, we want to build this Ocean Science Center to be at least a net zero building, potentially a re, um, an energy generator. Like maybe we can even create more resiliency and energy resiliency in our community by having a microgrid. But we're going to have this highly technical building that we don't really have a workforce to support here on the coast. I mean, getting my solar on my own house um, serviced is kind of a hard, it's a hard task. So we'd like to work with Mendocino College. They have a number of green certification programs, bring those to the coast and use that building as a laboratory for that kind of work and build that kind of workforce here. Um, partially for our own good, because we don't want to build a building that nobody can, you know, maintain, no, nobody can maintain. But beyond that, you know, we definitely, with our bigger ambitions of working, you know, towards uh, working on this kelp crisis and kelp recovery, you know, aquaculture is another really easy, uh, urchin aquaculture is another really easy um, development that I could see happening out here. And working on a certification program with the college that trains people to um, help us with a commercial aquaculture process is 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 do so doable. Um, beyond that, we also want to have um, working with you, Marianne at West, because you guys know how to do this—an entrepreneurship or or um, some kind of 
um, program where we can um, incubate blue economy kind of initiatives so we can give lab space and resources to people that have innovative ideas. I mean, one of the things I always say in my talks when people are depressed because we're facing some really big challenges and I get depressed myself is we have two really great things going for us. And that is that the oceans are super resilient if they're given half a chance, right? So if we can figure out a way to support a recovery, they're pretty resilient. And we have, as people are creative and innovative, given the right motivation, right? There's some, there's some serious caveats to both of those statements, but we, we are creative in coming up with solutions if we're properly motivated. And I hope that we are now seeing all of the, all of the predictions coming true on this changing climate. Um, and we're ready to, to really look at how we can create change, positive change. I, I think if, uh, if, our last two years of pandemic lifestyles have taught us it is the importance of collaboration. It's the importance of learning from each other. It's the importance of really looking at the holistic view of, of what we need to do. And that applies to what we do in the economy. So I think you're, you're absolutely right um, you know, in, that, in that assessment. There's two things that you mentioned, uh, Sheila, that I want to follow up on. Um, and I know, um, actually, last night, and I think the days go by so fast, I think it was last night, KZYX did have a, uh, on the Ecology Hour, had an update on the kelp uh, forest uh, issue. Um, so I'd love just if you could give us a brief kind of update for those maybe who didn't listen to that, just of how that issue is, where it's at a little bit. And then also... The second thing I'd like you, because I hear it a lot, and I'm new to this whole marine, you know, agenda, blue economy, so I'm learning words, but help the audience understand, you know, aquaculture. What does that mean? What is, you know, urchin, life, those things. I think there's things that we're all, as residents of our community, um, are going to hear words that we're not as familiar with. So I'd love you to give an update on the kelp and, and a little bit about aquaculture. Yeah. Oh gosh, I'd love to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Your favorite I topic, talk for right? hours. <laughs> um, let, let's just step back for a minute and, and say that part of that, again, part of that community visioning process was because we had this really productive and largely unexplored coastline. Like, so we have a gap in research between Bodega Marine Lab and Humboldt, right? So there's a two, two or 300 mile stretch of coast that is super productive and really hasn't been studied very much. And since we've been in existence as an organization, that is completely flipped because we've had this kelp crisis, right? So we now have we now have 93% less kelp, bull kelp on our coast than we should have. And our, our near shore environments are dominated by the purple urchin, which is this little urchin, not the commercial red urchin that this area is famous for, but a, a naturally occurring urchin that has just become completely overpopulated. So we have urchin barrens along our entire coast. And so part of this collaborative effort that the Noyo Center really helped kick up um, about starting in 2018 
is like you said, we have to work together and figure out how we can deal with this. And and it was one of those unique moments in time where everybody had different motivations, but everybody had the same goal. We need to bring our kelp forests back. Those kelp forest ecosystems, as Brianna said, supports thousands of animals, some of which we value as a community for food and other um, and other things. But um, you know, we were working with commercial divers that were out of work because ironically, um, the little purple urchin outcompetes the commercial red urchin. So there wasn't an urchin fishery and that fishery is now in disaster relief um, from the federal government. We lost sunflower sea stars in a wasting syndrome. So this is like, I get, I'm trying to sort of tell you about many kind of perturbations that have happened on top of each other that caused this collapse. We lost all the sea stars along the West Coast, nearly all, um, but including this really big 16 to 24 armed sunflower sea star that can be, how, how big can that be, Brianna? Like three feet across when it's an adult? I mean, those things- Yeah, are I was pretty, gonna say about a meter. Yeah, about a meter across. So. We lost all of those and they're the main um, predator of this little purple urchin. At the same time, we had a marine heat wave. We had, you know, warm waters that are make that we, we're, our coast is one of the five upwelling zones in the world. And we're famous for these cold nutrient rich up, upwelled waters that come from, because we have these winds like we've been experiencing lately, we get this beautiful upwelling that nourishes our, our nearshore habitats. We had this marine heat wave, which cut that whole process off, makes bad um, conditions for kelp. And we didn't have a very good, we didn't have a very good kelp year for a couple of years when this marine heat wave was, was sitting off our coast. And all of those purple urchin, which now exploded because we didn't have a predator, ate all of the um, ate all of the kelp and this urchin barren formed along our entire coast. So we've been working now in this collaborative partnership um, for years to look at ways that we can reduce the urchin population and bring that kelp back. And, and nobody is, nobody's under the illusion that we will um, be able to just take away all the urchin on our coast. But if we can create enough resiliency in those um, habitats to come back, and last year was actually a good example of that because we had persistent cold um, wind, uh, cold water, and we had wind, and we had upwelling a good bit of the year, and we saw kelp in areas that we haven't seen in five years. It should have been blanketed along the entire coastline in a normal year. It wasn't anywhere near normal, but it is the new normal, as you would say, Marianne. <laughs> it was. It was. It was at least telling us that spores are surviving in the environment. So as we have partners now, like through Reef Check and others working on that conservation effort where they're employing the out-of-work divers to remove urchin from the environment, we're now focusing our attention on creating a new seafood product from that purple urchin because we are the only predator at the moment in the environment. And there's not a whole lot of hope that sunflower sea stars are gonna come back in the near term. So if we can create a new seafood product that would take a, a process that would take a, an urchin that's actually starving in the environment, and Brianna could probably tell us a lot about how amazing the urchin is. I mean, they basically persist in the environment in these starvation conditions for years. They outcompete everything by persisting 
even to the point of pulling, you know, nutrients from the water. But we we bring them in and they have sand and rock and plastics in their gut. I mean, they'll eat anything. Um, so we bring these empty, worthless urchins into the um, harbor and we feed them this highly nutritious, dense um, kelp product that um, our partners at Urchin Ox has developed. And we can, in eight to 10 weeks, create a highly valued seafood product that tastes delicious. So this aquaculture, and aquaculture has such a bad, repu- a bad reputation, rightfully so, um, from some really poor um, practices in the past, but this is a land-based closed system that is also teaching us to eat lower on the food chain. And it's now, we hope to brand it as a restorative seafood product. So instead of doing less damage by eating this as the sustainable seafood is, you're actually improving the environment by eating this. That's right. That's right. You'd be helping uh, the environment. That would be a very interesting thing to see on menus in all of our restaurants, right? Absolutely. Um, So that's one of the things we hope to do in our new facility in the harbor is we want to show this process to the community, show the regulators the the minimal environmental impact. I mean, I don't think it has an environmental impact at the moment, but also show the restaurants what this seafood product can look could, could be and how they could integrate it into their menu and have a, you know, pop-up tasting events. And, and, yeah. you know, one of the other, we talk about blue economy and we focus on sciences, but the college of the Redwoods has this great culinary program. We'd love to get culinary um, interns down to the Harbor to help us with these kind of things. Like how can we use Umi? How can we, how can we use um, urchin, in sauces or something that maybe are more palatable to people. There are these amazing, what, food, um, bake-off, cook-off TV shows. I say we start one down at the harbor. Yeah, there you go. What you can do. (laughs) Purple sea urchin, you know. Who needs chocolate when you can have this? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So we've been working for a couple of years um, doing trials with this great company called Urchinomics. They're a for-profit company, but they, in this way that we've been talking about, recognize that economic benefit and environmental benefit don't have to be in conflict. So they created a, a process by which to do this, continue to fund the conservation work, but still make a profit from the seafood that you're creating. Um, so this, their, yeah. their, their concept has been endorsed by the United Nations, who now has um, started their decade of ocean science and sustainable development. And as a partner with them, we too have been um, endorsed by the United Nations now for this, for this work. It is for this reason that I also feel hopeful. I think there's just so many new and innovative work that is evolving, not just from the blue economy, but just as we enter into this new phase of the world. It's it's really fascinating. Um, let me just pause for a second to do an intermission. Uh, if you are just t- tuning in, I'm Marianne Petrillo, CEO of West Business Development Center, and you're listening to the New Normal Radio Hour. Our topic today is in understanding the blue economy and its potential for economic growth in our community. My guests are Sheila Siemens, Executive Director of the Noyo Center for Marine Science, <laughs> and Brianna Zuber, Associate Professor of Biology at Mendocino College. If you'd like to ask a question on this topic, please call us 
on our phone line at 707-895-2448. Okay, so we'll see if any callers call in, but um, I wanted to get back, um, uh, and Brianna, maybe you could tell us a little bit about the UN um, designation that you mentioned to me before we got on the call. That was very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I learned that the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations adopted this year, 2022, as the International Year of Artisanal Fisheries and Aquaculture. So I thought that went along well with what we were talking about. And I I had a thought, too, that I've heard um, aquaculture referred to as just farming in the water. So that might that's kind of a way to, to think about that. And like Sheila mentioned, there are lots of different avenues for aquaculture. She talked a lot about the urchins, which I think is, you know, a really great potential there to remove those overgrazing urchins and to take them back to the lab and essentially fatten them up. <laughs> and then they have some really good, really tasty uni that can be provided to local restaurants. Um, and then not only potentially can that help with habitat restoration? You know, if the kelp comes back, like I mentioned before, that helps with oxygen production, carbon dioxide mitigation, and job creation, all of those things just from, you know, removing these urchins um, and doing this process of aquaculture. And I know that in California, some of the other species that they do aquaculture farming with, we do anything from Oysters, clams, abalone, mussels, scallops, algae, which would be uh, seaweed, things like that, and then fin fish, so different types of different types of fish, and then, like Sheila mentioned, having these um, aquaculture systems also allows you to do a lot of research. So research can be conducted on those species when you have them there in that um, in that type of environment. So those are some other very cool things that can uh, come out of aquaculture. And so, so aquaculture is essentially um, the creation of different types of sea food products. Is that how to think about it? It's like, it's doing it intentionally, right? Of developing these things. Yes, I, th I, think, that's a, I think that's a good way to explain it. Fascinating. Yeah. And it's just, it's so interesting when you talk about the, um, the issue of the kelp and the issue of the urchins here on our coast, because I, I'm sure a lot of people don't realize that. I mean, they would look at the ocean, they think it's beautiful, tourists come up, they aren't really aware of what's happening below the ocean, you know, short of looking at the waves crashing on the rocks, and that's about it. So it's, you know, I, I just can't say enough um, about how wonderful it will be when the center is actually fully manifested as a building, because the education is such an important part of this. Um, not only the education that you're doing, Brianna, on a certificate level and on a uh, industry level, but I think, uh, Sheila, if I'm not mistaken, with some of the places that you have, like the Discovery Center or your intention of how you're doing demo and attaching it to a coffee house so that people come at every place you can get educated 
is a place to be educated. You might want to talk a little bit about your different centers right now. Yeah, totally. Thank you, Marianne. Yeah, we we believe that education is at the heart of ocean conservation. It is part of everything that we do. So I welcome all of your listeners to come to the Discovery Center. We have cri- tried to create a, um, th- we actually took that space over in 2019, right before the pandemic, in order to tell this story to the public. We we talk about there being two climate change crises in our county and the forest fires, you know, are so easy to relate to. But like you said, you walk on a beautiful coast, you walk on the coast on a beautiful day like this and you think everything's great. But we, I was afraid somebody would say, how did we not know this happened once we lost salmon and, and yeah. rockfish and all these other things, right? So we opened the Discovery Center to do that public education piece. That's great. I think we have a caller. Is that true? Do we have a caller? Hey, hello. What a wonderful, exciting show. Uh, my Great. name is Sarah, and I'm calling in because I'm just excited about this conversation in so many ways. And um, just wanted to give a shout out to, you know, what College of the Redwoods was and how it envisioned a certificate program for marine science education, marine science technology here on the coast. And then it sort of went away, and then Noyo Center came in, and now Mendocino College is here, and Brianna and Tanya are offering courses over here on the coast, and Noyo Center is there, and there's a lot of collaboration with, um, in fact, on Monday, Tanya's class will come to the Discovery Center, and um, we've just been down at the fish market in the harbor, and I've got a student intern who comes from Ukiah, who is my um human sea urchin who actually went down and he's 16 but he got up crack of dawn and and got out to the coast and went diving and got all these urchins and brought them to the discovery center and showed folks what urchins were and showed people how they move and and all of that and then and he himself was so excited to be interacting with the public and then the kid went home and made uh, a beautiful sushi roll out of the uni that he had collected that morning and was over the moon. He's a Ukiah high school student. And, you know, just seeing this, it's almost like a growing tree that has got fruit and it's coming into focus now um, here on the coast in such a beautiful way. And I feel people are getting more and more excited about it. And uh, so, yeah, just a shout Thank out. You. Thanks for having this program. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for, for calling in. It is it is a very exciting time. And, uh, and I'm glad you mentioned about, you know, high school students. I mean, this is, if I'm not mistaken, this is the kinds of industries that we want our younger, you know, audience, our high school students to get involved in now. You know, I mean, I know we're talking here to the community college, and we hope that they, they, you know, put that certificate program together. But you know, if you're if you have high school students who have any kind of interest in this, I think both Sheila and Brianna know that there's lots of ways that you can intern, you can help, they can get that's, you know, it's exploring and curiosity. That's what makes the most brilliant scientists, right? And yeah. it happens well, at a young age. In full disclosure, Sarah's my stranding coordinator. You probably <laughs> gathered that she has a little insider knowledge <laughs> in all of these things. And Sarah does an amazing job with our interns, as does our other staff, of taking them out on the beaches, 
making she 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 responds to all deceased marine mammals for, through a partnership with Cal Academy for us and so she takes those opportunities to teach kids every time she goes out as does all my staff and all that we do and it's mm-hmm. and it is great this connection you know Tanya's class Brianna's class we always support each other um it it is it's great I mean we have a goal to advance more people of color and more girls to stem stem to stem programs um, and Sarah's internship program is doing exactly that. And we have a number, we, we, one of our interns just published a paper in a, in a peer reviewed academic journal. I mean, it's amazing. That's, that's great. Um, so Sheila, can you, uh, tell the audience where your discovery center is located? Yeah, it's at 338 North main street. It's right in the heart of downtown on Laurel and main street. It's um, it's got the world's largest killer whale skeleton, beautifully articulated through a community um, process. Again, hands-on education. Um, but we also built a geodesic 360 dome to get people under the water because what we hear here is, oh, it's cold. You'll die of hypothermia <laughs> if the sharks don't kill you first, or you get pulled under by the undertow. Whatever. The the images are all really negative, but the habitats off our coast are some of the most beautiful in the world under normal circumstances. So we wanted people to be able to make a real personal connection to the crisis we're having in our other forests. I was starting to talk about the forest to forest connection. We use this in our education programs in the schools all the time, trying to get people to understand the climate crisis that's happening under the water. And this dome allows you to go in and select your own dives. And it has a whole bunch of other marine science um, experiences, but it l- allows you to experience being underwater for people who can't do that. So this is right on Main Street in Fort Bragg. That's right. For those who are familiar, it's right across the street, I think, from the Guest House Museum. That's right. That, yeah. Uh, area. yeah. And and what are the hours or the days of the week that they're open? We're open. Um, we're only closed Wednesday and Thursday. So we're open all other days from 11 to 5. Right. Fantastic. We also have the Crow's Nest Interpretive Center on the coastal trail. So the, when the mill closed down and they started ripping down all the buildings, they had this cute little A-frame that they were going to tear down. We worked with the city to acquire it for a dollar and move it over to the coastal trail. It's completely staffed by volunteer docents who are super excited and eager to tell you anything that you want to know about marine science. And it's got a touch tank aquarium. It's beautiful. So stop by there on your way. We also now re- recently purchased a building in the harbor. For those of you who are from this area, it's Carini's um, Fish Grotto. It's been vacant for eight years. We're really excited about um, turning that into a, a place where the we can do some of this research we're talking about and have that really be forward-facing to the public so you can you can see what we're doing and they'll it, it and we have now the boat access that we've long desired um to to get into the water that's fantastic and brianna can you tell uh, our audience too like for folks who might be interested in taking some of these classes or how to get in touch with the college or where should they go what should they do anything like that any direction you can give them uh, so the college's main website is www.mendocino.edu, and you can go there to find information about classes and programs. Um, 
the Coastal Field Station in Point Arena does have a Facebook page, so you can just search for the MC Coastal Field Station for that. Um, and then the Coast Center in Fort Bragg will be having an open house whenever we have our Blue Economy event. So people are welcome to stop by and check out some of those specimens that we were talking about earlier. Um, and then if anybody has any questions about specific courses, they can contact me. My email address is thezuber, Z-U-B-E-R, at mendocino.edu. Yeah. We do have a... Uh, we do have a, the Blue Economy Symposium coming up in May, uh, May 19th to the 22nd, I believe. And Sheila, I think you're going to be uh, hosting a panel there uh, as well, talking about some of these issues that we've been talking about here today about jobs and the economy and the changes. Yeah, the, you're on it. You're going to be on it. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited about that. The college is going to be on it and Wes is, gonna, is, is on it. Um, yeah, it'll be exciting. I think really getting people to understand that component of, of the blue economy that is education and research and how that um, kind of builds that long-term um, capacity is, will be fun to discuss and, and to let people know all that we are doing. I mean, there is a, there is a lot that's being done. Mm -hmm. and I, a lot I, I just also interject that my staff is, the staff has told me that I incorrectly said that the Discovery Center was closed on um, Wednesday and Thursday, but it's actually Tuesday and Wednesday. So we're open every day, but Tuesday and Wednesday. <laughs> yes. oh, our, our staff keeps us um, knowledgeable about what we need to know. No kidding. <laughs> I, I understand that. I understand that completely. So yeah, it's a it's a wonderful center. I think it's really great. I think it's wonderful that the college and and you know the caller who who called in, you know, rightly said it, it feels like there's kind of new energy that's happening now, um, and I think we're going to see that uh, you know both through the symposium, the learning festival. Uh, but just in general, I think because of the challenges that we faced over the last couple of years as a global challenge, um, you know, people are looking for new ways to be involved in the workforce, but as you said, in a beneficial way, in a way that benefits the world, the economy, and, you know, and Brianna, I think you were saying, you know, so much of our world is ocean <laughs> and yeah. it is the right, you know, it is, if you have any interest in that field, both from a research perspective and also from a working perspective, you are contributing back. You are giving back to the economy uh, and to the world in so many ways. So I applaud both of you for doing the work that, that you are in, involved in because it is very much a, um, you know, ground floor, getting involved, ground floor effort. We have a little more time, so I'm going to make uh, an announcement again about the call-in number is 707-895-2448. Please feel free to call in if you have a question for Sheila or Brianna about um, Blue Ocean. Um, 
in the few minutes that are remaining, um, any thoughts about what is needed to make this happen? Now, we always know money <laughs> is important to get and funding, and we're all working towards that goal. But could you describe some of the infrastructure needs, Sheila, uh, of what, you know, what's going to make this really take off? Yeah, and this is one of the areas that I think is is sort of the more exciting. So one of the real barriers to um, entry into some kind of blue economy field is the lack of salt water. So, um, and what I mean by that is we need a seawater intake and discharge system on the mill site in order to facilitate a lot of the research and, and um, development that needs to happen on on some of these things that we've been talking about, even just the research on some of the species, but but maybe technologies or, you know, if we want to do seaweed aquaculture, as Brianna um, mentioned earlier. So um, we are fortunate enough to have incredible state and federal legislators that support everything that we're doing. And um, Congressman Huffman put together the KELP Act um, that would funnel a um, some more money to this region specifically for some of these initiatives. Um, but there's also some interest right now in creating what there what is being called through the federal appropriations process, um, aquaculture hubs. And the city of Fort Bragg um, would be the recipient of some funding if this is if this goes through um, the budgeting process to develop that seawater intake system. What we've heard from so many other communities that are doing this is without a substantial um, public investment in that infrastructure, it doesn't happen. Because even like if you look at us as a small startup nonprofit, creating that Ocean Science Center, you know, right now we're designing it as a closed system, but meaning that it doesn't have an open seawater system because we don't we don't have the time or the resources necessary to develop that if the city develops that then we are able to do so much more research and even have more aquaria and stuff that the public wants to see from the exhibit side um, because of that resource so the city if this if this funding appropriation gets approved the city will become one of these aquaculture hubs and their money will go towards developing that seawater system and the city's already um, hired consultants to investigate that uh, the options around that and that's one of the things that will come out at the blue economy symposium is what have they found that is like the best way for us to develop a seawater intake system right Right. And make no mistake, you know, it takes concerted effort. It's not just one time and it's done. It's it's a and it's an ongoing investment. But it also once it is established, it gives back to the community ten times more. You know, so that's the thing that we all have to understand about these public private partnerships and, and funding sources is you have to think of the long-term economic gains in a, in a positive industry that, that we're really evolving and developing. Um, Brianna, any other thoughts about, you know, the future of Mendocino College and the programs that might be, be evolving and coming up and what you'd maybe like the audience to know about, about taking some of these classes? Yeah, I mean, I think kind of like I mentioned before, the college is starting to explore these new kind of forest and conservation technician positions and the certificates and programs that might fall under that umbrella to benefit 
these, you know, the unique kind of places that we have in Mendocino County. Um, and just to kind of something that Sheila mentioned earlier, um, talking about some of the certificates that the college has, there's also a renewable energy certificate in the sustainable construction and energy technology program. So that I think also kind of falls into what we've been talking about. And then also just to mention that, you know, I teach biology, so I might be a little biased, but there are classes in environmental science and geology and geography that and agriculture, you know, that also kind of roll into this idea of a blue economy. And I assume it's not just for uh, high school to college student there. You take people who are adults. Oh, we have a caller. Okay. Um, one second. Let's go ahead and take that call. We have just a few seconds. But... No, they hung up. Okay. Well, um, I, will, I would I would say that yes, we have we have students from high school all the way up to they've retired and they're just coming back to take a course that interests them. And I think I think uh, the age of our students is really between about twenty five and thirty. We have a lot of students in that age range. And a lot of times people will be in a profession already and they want like a further kind of certificate or something and they can come back and just get that certificate or they could be trying to get their associate's degree. So there are a lot of options. That's, that's fantastic. So I, uh, I expect that we'll be seeing you more on the coast and you'll be traveling back and forth from Ukiah to Fort Bragg. Is that the <laughs> same plan for you? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the idea. Great. Well, I want to thank you both. Um, you've been listening to the New Normal Radio Hour, and I want to thank these two energetic and really dedicated women, dedicated to the cause, dedicated to their work. Uh, we really find the work that you do so informative and so important to our, the health of our economy. So thank you, Sheila Siemens, Executive Director of the Noyo Center for Marine Science, and Brianna Zuber, Associate Professor of Biology at the Mendocino College for this conversation on what the blue economy is and what it means for our county's economic development and growth. In two weeks on Thursday, April 28th, I'll be hosting the new normal radio hour again and discussing the upcoming blue economy symposium and learning festival happening May 19th to the 22nd in Fort Bragg. My guests will be Luke Gardner, extension spe specialist with California Sea Grant, Anna Newman, the new harbor master of Noyo Harbor, and Sarah McCormick, economic development specialist for the city of Fort Bragg. The Blue Economy Symposium is the first of its kind in Mendocino County. For more information, you can go to visitfortbraggca.com. I'm Marianne Petrillo, CEO of West Business Development Center. We provide free business advising and training on all aspects of business development. So no matter what part of the entrepreneurial journey you may be on, we can help you get to the next level. Please give us a call at 707-964-7571 or check our, out our website, our new website at westcenter.org. It's really been a delight to talk with both of you today and we thank you so much for coming on this call and having this conversation. You can find an archive of this show and all of our programming online at jukeboxkzyx.com.
www.kzyx.org or on our homepage at kzyx.org. And many thanks to our engineer, Eddie, tonight for all the work that you've done for us. So we greatly appreciate it. Thank you, ladies. And we will look forward to seeing you at the ocean, hanging out <laughs> very thanks, soon. Thanks, Marianne. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Marianne. Thanks, Brianna. It's great to talk to you all. Yeah, you too, Sheila. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening. Thank you.